Welcome to the Westminster Pulpit, an extension of the worship ministry at Westminster Presbyterian Church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Please contact us for permission before reproducing this message in any format, and may this sermon nurture your life in a meaningful way as we proclaim our Savior. Turn with me now as we read from John 15, verses 1 through 11. I am the vine, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Lord, I thank you for the gift of your word. I pray that you would bless the preaching of it tonight and work through our hearts and minds as Matt brings us the message. In your precious name, I pray. Amen. Thanks, Lyric. What is human flourishing? What does that phrase mean? What does it mean for human beings to succeed, thrive, or flourish? Students, this is an especially important question for you. It's a question that you're going to be asking yourselves a lot in the years to come. How do I define myself? What is success? Well, according to the National League for Nursing, human flourishing is the effort to achieve self-actualization and fulfillment within a larger community of individuals. So according to our culture's public health experts, human flourishing means finding happiness and satisfaction by becoming the person you are determined to be. In other words, human flourishing is all about finding joy in and of ourselves by realizing our own individual greatness. This idea is nothing less than the idolatry of the self. Because human flourishing is all about each individual becoming their own god. And when reality itself is not conducive to one's self-actualization it then becomes society's responsibility to conform the world around that individual's needs in order to help them flourish properly. But this presents a real problem because it will inevitably lead to strife and conflict, creating deeper divisions within our own society. Because the self-actualization of one person 
will eventually and inevitably mean the denial of another's. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. According to the Washington Times, three kinetic girls who run high school track have recently filed a federal discrimination complaint saying that the statewide policy which allows for transgender athletes to compete in female sports has cost them top finishes in races and possibly college scholarships. This example clearly illustrates for us how human flourishing of transgender athletes has interfered with the human flourishing of these high school girls. In defense of feminism, the author J.K. Rowling made a similar point on Twitter where she said, if sex isn't real, the lived reality of women globally is erased. She says, I know and love trans people, but erasing the concept of sex removes the ability of many to meaningfully discuss their lives. Now, did you catch that first part of Rowling's statement? She said, if sex, if male or female isn't real, the lived reality of women globally is erased. In other words, she's saying that while the reality of sex may hinder transgender people from flourishing and realizing their potential, abolishing the concept of sex will have the same effect on women all over the world. So individual human flourishing is therefore impossible for everyone to achieve. Because in order for some people to achieve self-actualization, other people must become deactualized. And this does not just only apply to transgenderism. That's not the point of tonight's message. For example, we heard this morning how the church in Thessalonica was suffering because there were people among them that were being idle, living for themselves at the expense of the others around them. So as a result, we can see that this is a terribly selfish way to live. Surely there has to be a better way. There has to be a better way to live than this idea called human flourishing. Well, thankfully, there is. Our passage tonight tells us there is. It's called abiding in Christ. Abiding in Christ. It was the theme of our Kingdom Builders trip. In verse 4, Christ calls each and every one of us here tonight to abide in him. But what does it mean to abide? Well, the word abide is a verb. And in the Greek, it means to continue to be present. To put it negatively, it means not to perish or not to depart or leave. So already, just by briefly examining that word, we see how different abiding in Christ is compared to the concept of human flourishing. According to the idea of human flourishing, some people have to cease to be. They have to deactualize so others can realize their full potential. But in Christ, we can all abide. We can all continue to be present in Christ. But the idea, but the idea is that instead of having the world 
conforming around us. We must conform ourselves to Christ, just as the branch conforms itself to the vine and abides in it. That means we must be shaped in Christ's image, adopt his identity, and live according to his will for his glory instead of our own. And students, that is what it means to succeed. That's flourishing. It's living for Christ's glory and his will instead of our own. But why would anyone want to do that, you might ask? Why would anyone want to give up their own identity and live for the glory of another? Well, the answer is fairly simple. And the Apostle Peter tells us the answer a few chapters earlier in John's Gospel, in chapter 6. There Jesus asks his disciples if they want to depart from him. In other words, he asks them if they no longer want to abide in him. To which the Apostle Peter responds by saying, Lord, to whom, shall, to whom else shall we go? You alone, you alone have the words of eternal life. And we have come to believe and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So there you have it. You need and should want to abide in Christ because only Christ has the words of eternal life for you. Because only Christ is himself God. So we can only truly live then. We can only truly flourish as a people if we abide in the one who gives us life. Furthermore, we see the consequences of not abiding in God's word in Genesis chapter 3. There, Adam and Eve disobeyed God's commands and ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And why did they do that? Why did they disobey? It's because they wanted the power to make their own decisions. They no longer trusted God. They wanted to be gods unto themselves. They wanted to form their own identity apart from God. But in doing so, they introduced sickness, death, and sin into the world. As a result of Adam and Eve's sin, people ever since have been trying to create their own identity and to be their own gods, and they have done so with devastating effects. We have done so with devastating effects. And this uh, is seen clearly in the divisions and the deep-seated hatred that we see between the different people groups in our own culture. Which is why God came into the world in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, in the first place. He came to save us from the effects of our sin on one another and from God the Father's wrath on us. And the way that he saved us, interestingly enough, was by doing the very thing that our culture despises. Paul in Philippians 2 says, Jesus, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being made in the likeness of men. And being found in the appearance of a man, humbled himself by becoming obedient to God the Father to the point of death, even death 
on a cross. So there you have it. You see right there that our culture tells us that it is totally unacceptable for anyone to be forced to live in a way that is not in compliance with how they see themselves. But Christ did not just see himself as God. Christ was and is God. And yet he humbled himself anyway by becoming something he wasn't, something lesser than himself, a man. And not only did he do that, but he obeyed God the Father to the point he was crucified on a cross. And why did Christ do this? The answer is he did this in order to live a perfect human life for us on our behalf, and then to suffer the punishment of God that our sin, that our human flourishing, deserves. So there you have it. In Christ, we see that a perfect human life is one that obeys the commands of God and is lived for the sake and welfare of others. That's what it means to flourish as a human being. And now Christ is telling us that we must have the same attitude that he himself had. In order to receive his gift of salvation, we must exercise Christ's same mindset by refusing to live for ourselves so that we might live for him and his glory instead. In other words, we must put ourselves second in order to put Christ first. And if you ever think that that's unfair, consider for a moment that that is exactly what God Almighty did for you in Jesus. What's more is that Jesus tells us that when we abide in him, we will inevitably produce good fruit. And so we see yet another way that abiding in Christ is different from the worldly concept of human flourishing. Now, we've already seen how those trying to achieve self-actualization inevitably hurt others. But when we abide in Christ, we will inevitably be a blessing to those around us instead. We will inevitably produce good fruit. That means we, tr we will treat others with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and gentleness. Because that is what the fruit of the Spirit is. That's what the fruit of the Spirit does. And we will live for the good and welfare of others because that's exactly what Christ did for us. And the more we abide in him, the more we abide in his word, the more we will inevitably become more like him. And here I would just like to say how encouraged I am by, by what I see in our youth group. As a newcomer to this church, it has been a joy of mine to witness how our students interact with one another and treat each other with kindness and respect. We have a large youth group filled with students from all walks of life and different backgrounds who nevertheless get along, or so it seems, and to genuinely enjoy one another. I've also seen how our youth group welcomes newcomers such as myself and immediately makes me feel at home. And more than that, this summer during Kingdom Builders, I got to serve alongside our students for the good of others. First at the Columbia Pregnancy Care Center, then the next day working in the yards of various members of our church, 
And lastly, helping to prepare for things like VBS and Sunday school in the fall. Such attitudes and acts of service among our youth is a testament both to the investment that our youth leaders have made in the lives of our students and also to the work of the Holy Spirit in their hearts. When the world is engaged in selfishness and division, it is always encouraging to see God's people coming together for the good of one another. And my prayer for our students is that they would always continue to have and to develop this mindset and attitude among themselves, which was at first in Christ Jesus our Lord. Lastly, I just want to say, I want us to see why it is, why it is that Christ tells us to abide in him. He tells us that in verse 11. He says, to abide in him in order that his joy may be in us, Christ's joy in us, so that our joy may be full. In other words, abiding in Christ is the only way we can experience fulfillment, joy, and happiness. Abiding in Christ is the only way we can experience fulfillment, joy, and happiness. Because only when we abide in Christ can we share in the delight and love that God the Father and God the Son have for each other. And when we share in that divine love, we experience a joy that transcends, ups and, transcends the ups and downs of our day-to-day circumstances. A joy that can sustain us in each and every circumstance, no matter how we may be feeling in any given moment. The world is after that joy. They want that kind of peace. They want that happiness. They want that kind of love and satisfaction, but they are looking for it in all the wrong places. They think that it can be found in and of themselves. They think they will experience rest and satisfaction if the rest of the world would just finally accept them for who they are. But the truth is, is that none of us will ever know that joy for ourselves until we find acceptance in God's sight. And the only way we can do that is that if we deny ourselves and seek refuge in Christ Jesus our Lord by abiding in him and his finished work on our behalf. So, in closing, if anyone is here tonight who does not yet know if they are abiding in Christ, I would simply like to invite you to make that commitment not to wait And if you need someone to pray with you after the service, it would be my great joy to do that with you. Let's pray. Almighty God and Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your one and only Son that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. Lord, we thank you that in Christ we can experience the love and the delight that you and the Son have for one another. Lord, we ask that you would, your Holy Spirit, to dwell among us, Lord, to cause us to dwell deeper, to abide more in Christ Jesus our Lord, that our lives may reflect you to those around us.
and that the gospel would go out and transform the world for your kingdom and for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Westminster Pulpit is courtesy of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. You are welcome to worship with us on Sunday mornings at 8 or 11 a.m. To learn more or have questions about the gift of salvation through Christ Jesus our Savior, contact us at westpca.com. Thank you, and may Christ be glorified through this ministry, the Westminster Pulpit.